Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Welcome to this new episode of the Stargate Archives, and once again we are going to be looking at Richard Dean Anderson starring Legend, a 1995 single season production of a, I suppose that's science fiction western, you could say, also starring John Delancey. This episode is Bone of Contention, first aired June the 20th, 1995, directed by Charles Carell. You may know his name from SG-1, he directed two episodes of that. He's also directed the Melrose Place and MacGyver. The episode was written by George Geiger. He's worked on Beastmaster, Hunter, Profiler, Earth Final Conflict. So, some pedigree there from the writer and director. Uh, let's not waste any time and we'll jump right into the episode. Wow, Sheridan is looking much like a ghost town. They've even got tumbleweed blowing across the main street. Nice use of music, wind effects as well, gives it that uneasy feeling. And we see a figure walk out, very spaghetti western-like, and it's earnest. Let's just say Nicodemus, because it looks like he's wearing his legend clothes. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, two little people, gold out in cowboy outfits, have just uh, run round side street and open fire on Nicodemus. This can be a weird episode, I think. A third has joined the posse. <laughs> it's probably good that they are not very good shots, because, well, Ernest is being cornered. A fourth has joined now, and he's making a beeline for his uh, hotel, I believe. Got to assume this is a dream sequence. I mean, the filter they've got on the camera is very unusual. I've got a feeling Ernest is going to wake up in a cold sweat in his bed any moment now. Okay, <laughs> Ernest is on the balcony and he's called his horse over. He is, yes, he is going to jump from the balcony onto the back of his horse. Uh, this isn't going to end well, is it? Maury! Come here! Come on, boy! Come on! <laughs> yeah. And he's contemplating. <laughs> if it works, it looks fantastic. It always does. If it doesn't, you are going to seriously injure yourself. And ah, there we go. Back in the hotel room, Ernest is writing his novel. It looks like he's hit a blank spot. <laughs> How does he get legend out of this that doesn't sound stupid? Hello. Who's in the bed with him? There seems to be a young woman in his bed. Not unusual. We know Ernest is a bit of a player. He's not shy about either paying the company or uh, smoozing and charming a woman into his bed. This is Henrietta, an author. Not a huge IMDb resume, but she had a good run in Sunset Beach, also in Manhunter. And God bless Henrietta, she points out that maybe being distracted a little will ease his writer's block. Well, she is a distraction. Although, a little bit curious about their nocturnal escapades when she's obviously naked under the covers and he's still got his long johns on. Never mind though, she pulls into him. Oh, he's looking over her shoulder and he sees... I assume that's her clothes hanging up and he has an idea. Inspiration. Is it dressing up as a woman? Is it using the shawl or something as a parachute? Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes, the next scene. We see him with the professor. And an uh, interesting drawing, to say the least. I like it. 
Ernest has drawn a parachute, but instead of having one canopy, he's got two in the shape of a pair of breasts, shall we say? <laughs> the professor is impressed, but as he points out, a slight modification, and he puts it back to a single canopy. Ernest is not impressed. He prefers the pair. And a nice, big, bouncy pair. One cup just seems so... So what? Well, you know... No, I don't. Never mind. Very well. The Bartok Ario Retardant Descendant Parasol. I will begin working on the prototype immediately. Bartok is very excited. He's going to work on the project immediately. And then we see, or hear, an alarm. Seems they've got a perimeter alarm system set up and something has breached it. For the third time this week. Bramos says they've been having trouble with the moose. They leave the building, they don't find a moose, they find a, a seriously injured man. Blood all over his shirt, he identifies a professor and hands him a bag. And in the bag is a bone. Bone from a dinosaur. Cue theme music. Right then, the young man is dead. The sheriff has arrived. Sheriff Sam Moats, played by Douglas Rowe. It's been in ER, MASH, and uh, The Next Generation. Skeeter is there as well. The professor is telling him that this bone could be in a very important find, the first of its kind in the US. Of course, that probably means a lot more to the professor than it does to everyday folk in America at this time of its history. I like the fact that Ernest knows he's in trouble already. The professor's in one of his moods. He's getting excited by the discovery. He's throwing himself into the mystery, and he's going to drag Ernest along with him. He does try his best to uh, kind of uh, divert attention away, making sure that the sheriff doesn't ask for any help. I'm not sure how well this is going to work, though. Nope, doesn't work at all. The sheriff is a little bit more down-to-earth. Fossils of dinosaurs, not that big a concern for him, when he's got a town full of cowboys and cattlemen drinking and boozing. He's got other things to worry about. Never mind, Ernest, could try. Oh, like it. <laughs> the sheriff's now got to go back in town because there's a wagon load of Nicodemus legend little old ladies who have come to visit. And there could be trouble, just like last week. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Right, Professor Ernest and Ramos go uh, into the wilderness. Obviously, Ramos has been looking at the boots of the dead guy and identified whereabouts he'd been. They look into the mud and he correctly surmises that, yep, this is the place. Humorous chat about Celsius and Fahrenheit and, well, hello. Somebody's watching him from a distance. The music gets a little bit more ominous, so this could be the episode's bad guy. Let's see some horse tracks and to search for the cam, the professor sends his balloon up remote controlled with a, a camera on it. So clever, very clever. And they spot the camp a couple of miles away and off they go. They reach the campsite. It certainly looks like somebody's been through everything. Saddlebag contents have all been tossed about. Uh, no sign of life. Ernest picks up a, a notebook, which he passes to the professor. Identifies it as being owned by one Miles McMillan. Interesting comment now from the professor. He goes on, there's actually been a lot of violence between paleontologists. Ernest is a little perplexed, but the professor points out that where there's dinosaur, there's normally oil. So, petroleum... Producers, oil barons, the question, you know, science, knowledge against capitalism. Uh, <laughs> Ernest looks unknowingly. An age-old problem, which never seems to go away. They set up camp, Ramos lights a fire, and some hours later, 
a strange man walks into the camp. Ernest gets woke up and gives chase. The two run through the night. Bit of woodland. He reaches for him, he grabs him, and gets knocked unconscious for his troubles. But he's latched onto his coat and ripped a button off. I think that's all the professor needs to identify where this assailant got his clothes from, where he came from, where he was educated, who his parents are. At times, the professor is really a Sherlock Holmes. A few hours later, a few days later, days as it turns out, as we learn, Ernest wakes up in, in a bed, a young woman looking at him with concern. This is Beth Toussaint. She's also been in Babylon 5, MacGyver, and an episode of TNG where she played Tasha Yar's sister, a familiar face to science fiction fans. She informs Ernest that he was unconscious, and the doctor, by accident, gave him a double dose of sedative. So, uh, yep, he's been uh, more or less unconscious for two days. What can happen in two days? And we get a bit of a mystery here. She says uh, he was calling out the name Maury. Ernie seems a little perplexed, a little embarrassed. <laughs> he doesn't want anybody to know, and she confirms that she was probably the only one that heard it. So, Maury. Okay, interesting. And before Ernest can uh, lay on the moves, Bartok enters the room, along with Rudolf Kendall, played by Bruce Gray. Seen him in SG-1, also in Medium, quite a busy actor over the years. And we're also introduced to Beth McMillan, that's the character also played by Beth. So uh, she must be the sister or the wife of the dead guy? Who's Miles? My brother. I arrived yesterday from Sacramento to make arrangements. Ah, the sister. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up. Might have been awkward if it was the wife, especially since Ernest was getting a rather handsy with her. Uh, she just came in from Sacramento to handle the funeral arrangements. Of course, this is legend. She may claim to be the sister. We don't know. It won't be the first time somebody has claimed an identity that wasn't their own. Right, the professor updates Ernest. The bones from the campsite are also missing, so uh, that's not good. But, in the spirit of Nicodemus legend, there is a clue. As we saw, Ernest grabbed the button, so Skeeter is patrolling the town looking for somebody with a coat with a missing button. Okay, not very scientific, but bad guys tend not to be too clever, so why not? He could be walking around with the same coat and a missing button, not aware of the fact. Right, next scene is uh, in the saloon, and we see the individual who was spying on them. Could this be the killer they're looking for? Skeeter has identified a suspect. It is indeed the man in the bushes, Dave Larson, played by Patrick Kilpatrick. Uh, he's been in CSI and uh, 24, as well as Voyager. He works for a petroleum company. So, well done, Skeeter. Detective work. Nicely done. Ernest approaches Larson and throws the button on the table, <laughs> and it bounces into his beer glass, which, as you that wasn't what Ernest intended. And so he actually has to get it out. Dripping with beer, he drops it back onto the table where Lawson picks it up. A nice entrance. Kind of lost its impact, though. I want something of mine back. And what might that be? Incriminating evidence. Evidence? Is that right? Well, I wish I knew how to help. You're the one they call Nicodemus Legend, aren't you? Oh, this is tense. Ernest and Lawson having a, a serious conversation. Both very intelligent men... Larson playing it very cool. He's not going to give anything away. I think Ernest is onto a loser here. Certainly the veiled accusation of murder gets a reaction out of him. Exactly what will happen with that, who knows. 
And meanwhile, Skeeter broken into, well, not broken into, used the skeleton key to get into Lawson's room to have a rummage about. And he finds a hidden compartment in one of the wall spaces, which is a bit unusual since this is a hotel. So does that mean Larson actually cut open the wall to make the hidey space? <laughs> he didn't hide it very well, though. It was obvious what the hell it was, his first mistake. One of many, no doubt. He'll soon be on doors. Skeeter takes the bones he finds within the wall and throws them out the window to the professor who's waiting for him. But then he finds something else as he's putting the panelling back. The music gets once more ominous. He's reading something that's make a change, a drastic change to the narrative of the story. I mean, what could it be? This is probably where they'd take ad break. <laughs> Skeeter runs into the saloon room and manages to convince Ernest to leave the company of Larson. Took a while, but he finally got it through to him that he needed to talk to him. We'll learn what's so important in those papers now. Aha. Okay, then. The letter was a request for the federal government to investigate the death of Miles. So, wouldn't that mean Larson is an early FBI-type agent? But why would a petroleum company want to investigate the murder of a paleontologist? Hmm, have we got this wrong? Are we assuming that the Denman was a paleontologist just because he had dinosaur bones? Let's find out. As the men part company, Ernest says he'll go and grab Mars' sister. The professor warns him not to take advantage of the situation. He kind of knows Ernest all too well. I think we all do. <laughs> Ernest will provide a comforting shoulder in an hour of need. Right, we're back in the professor's laboratory. The bone is being analysed. They're using... Harmonic frequencies to clean the bone, which is basically sound waves to disrupt the dust and the grime. I just hope that they don't hit the right frequency, which actually dissolves the bone. Beth isn't too pleased about all the time they're taking analysing the dinosaur bones. She's worried that this isn't going to help find the killer of her brother. Obviously, the two professors are in it for the science, but Ernest, being Ernest, joins in on her side and offers up the idea of taking the balloon in the city and do some investigation work. To the next scene, they're in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, the balloon in the background. We're not going to worry how long it took him to get there, that's not important. Ernest and the professor once again break into another office, as they say themselves, they're getting rather too good at this. And they are. <laughs> oh, interesting. Ernest finds some paperwork on one of the desks, addressed to Miles McMillan, indicating that he worked for the controlling company. And on the desk, a picture of him and his sister. So, did she work there as well? Is that his sister? Has she been lying all along? Is the federal agent working for the controlling company, or working against the controlling company? Lots of questions that need to be answered. Well, her name's Beth, but it's not McMillan. It's Langsdale. As in... Langsdale Petroleum, no doubt. So she's not his sister. Aha, that didn't last long. On the photograph, Miles McMillan and Beth Lansdale. The name of the petroleum company. Yeah, I was actually guessing that she wasn't who she said she was, but that was, that was right. <laughs> I think I've watched a lot of episodes of Legend. I know how the writers think. We cut back to the professor's lab where Beth is... Mucking about with the bone. Up to no good, that's no doubt. Professor Kendall approaches her, demanding to know what she's been doing. And that's when Larson appears in the background and strikes him over the head, falls to the ground unconscious. 
Dawn breaks and the professor is now conscious, rubbing the back of his head. Professor Bartok and Legend, they're back. They're all feeling a little silly. They got taken good and proper. But plenty of time left in the episode to capture the bad guys and right all the wrongs. Unfortunately, without the bones, they don't believe they're going to be able to find out where the dinosaur could be. However, the professor has an idea. He kept some of the dust and has been examining it. And Bartok identifies some manganese and some red clay. And of course, Ramos knows that uh, pre-Columbian pottery, there's a site nearby where that was found. So, two and two together, that's where the dinosaur is. And off they go in the balloon again. They're approaching the canyon now. They see Beth and Lawson going into a cave. There's a strong updraft. Means that Ramos can't drive the balloon into land. I think the professor may have been working on something to solve this problem. Because there are some suspicious lumps of cloth in the balloon. I've got a feeling that he's going to get them to jump out now with parachutes. Hope they've been tested. Knowing the professor, this will be the test. Oh, I'm disappointed. Don't even think about those wings. Oh, no, 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 that would be silly. There's so much wind, you'd go crashing into the rocks. It would be suicide. Thank you, but that's never stopped you before. Besides, Rudy and I, we need to be able to join you. Ramos, I want you to shoot a grappling hook into the mouth of that cave. I'll try to get closer, Professor. All they're doing is firing a harpoon into the rock face, and they're going to slide down. Still untested, but as the Professor says, the hero goes first. Ernest has serious doubts about that idea, but nevertheless he hooks up his uh, carabiner and slides down the rope. Unfortunately for him, Lawson has realised what they're doing, and he cuts the rope. Ernest, a panicked look on his face, screams and starts sliding backwards. And we get a wide shot that sees the balloon playfully hanging there, and Ernest dangling underneath, gently swaying in the breeze. By gently, quite vigorously swaying in the breeze. <laughs> Legend slowly lowers himself down to the end of the rope, brings the balloon a few feet down, and as he swings, he gets close to the cave entrance and finally gets his foot on solid ground, releases the rope and surveys the damage to his hands, the hands of a great writer. <laughs> it's up to Ernest now. He isn't any support from the two professors. He's got to take on the bad guys. Oh, no, my mistake. There's enough rope there to tie off. Provides the, uh, the way for the two professors to slide down, just as Ernest did, but without the drama. And cue a cave scene. What series doesn't love a cave scene? Full of polystyrene and plastic rocks, <laughs> which do not look like rocks. I mean, this is taking an interesting twist now. They're in an early Colombian settlement that was built into the rock face, a lot of cave paintings. Professor Randall says that the bones would have been regarded as gifts from the gods, and so they'd be protected and treasured. Now, we'd have thought, the chances are these bones would not have been found... Now, I would have expected that we'd find these bones in some sort of exposed outcropping, but not in a cave. Deep in the caves, barely lit with the lanterns they brought with them, Professor Randall says that maybe they should split up. Ernest is not very uh, happy about this, but Bartok backs up the other professor. All of a sudden, I'm suspicious of Randall now. <laughs> and we get a revelation. Bartok wanted them to split up, because he believes that Rudolph killed Miles. Which makes a bit of sense, really. Fame and fortune in discovering dinosaur bones that are unique. People have been killed for less. Bartok explains his reasoning to Ernest, that the pottery dust was planted by the professor to make the discovery. 
Obviously, Bartok's heartbroken, he considered him a friend, but oh well. Makes you wonder now exactly what part Langsdale Oil played in this. And out of nowhere, Beth and uh, Randall appear, armed, pointing guns at them, under arrest for conspiracy. Obviously, the federal agent believes that Bartok and Ernest are involved in the murder, but before, <laughs> before they go any further, there's a rumbling noise and the stone floor collapses, sending the Professor and Ernest into the depths, closely followed by Beth and Randall, into a nice, surprisingly well-lit chamber with dinosaur bones, full dinosaur skeleton, cue Jurassic Park music, and as the four people gaze in awe at the skeleton, Gordov pokes his head through the hole in the roof and starts telling everybody the story. How <laughs> Miles found the skeleton and did a deal with the oil company. Rudolf is totally aghast against that. But never mind, he'll name a wing of his museum after him. He basically has got to kill these four people now to cover all this up. Whatever you've done, Rudy, it's not too late. He did not deserve a find like this. Sure how he's going to do this and keep the skeleton intact, but no doubt he's got a plan. Yep, Rudolf makes it plain he's going to leave these four people here to die. Ramos is going to have a tragic accident, and in a couple of months he'll return with an expedition and rediscover the dinosaur, have fame and fortune. But Bartok, he's got another idea. What if there's nothing left for him to return to? I'm betting that there's still a man of science there, Rudy. Nothing much left to bet, Janos. Yes, but what about him? What if I took the bones away from the support? <laughs> you wouldn't do that, Janos. As he approaches the dinosaur intent on ripping one of its bones out, and it slowly wobbles. Although I'm pretty sure I can actually see the wires that are holding it up. Wires that the pre-Columbian inhabitants did not have. Thankfully, this is a, a big enough distraction for Ernest to get out of sight, pull his taser, and then fire at the Professor, knocking him off his ledge into the cabin. Beth offers an apology to Ernest. Ernest offers an apology to Beth. Randall is, well, coldly professional. Nice cut as we zoom in on the dinosaur, backlit, and merges into the water tower outside the professor's laboratory. Uh, the sheriff is delighted to be making an arrest. Bartok is still heartbroken that his old friend has betrayed him and become a murderer. The two professors part company, their friendship broken forever. You were a fine scientist once, Rudy. What did it get me? Years of frustration? A stipend to teach? It got you your good name and your reputation. You and I both know I have neither. Ernest offers his condolences to Bartok, and even offers to put him in a book. But Bartok isn't interested in that, and he walks slowly off into the distance. And that was Bone of Contention, another very enjoyable episode. I think they uh, kept the mystery alive, they threw us some red herrings, made you believe one thing, and actually the story went elsewhere. Ernest made a play for the, <laughs> the young woman, turned out to be somebody totally different and totally immune to his charms. That's always a welcome change in pace. Heartbreaking at the end that the respected Professor Rulof was the bad guy looking for fame and fortune rather than scientific discovery and reputation and respect. But sometimes that's how it goes. Okay then folks, thank you for listening to this episode of the Stargate Archives and Legend Bone of Contention. 
we'll be back again with another episode of Legend before we jump back into any Stargate. Don't know if you're enjoying my look at this early Richard Dean Anderson, but I've been enjoying watching it. Although it does take me long to do because I'm making notes when I'm watching the episode, I can't quite enjoy it as I probably should. Right, if you want to get in touch with us, and please do, because if you do want to be on the show and talk Stargate, I will pencil you in and get a recording done as soon as possible. I won't keep you waiting. Stargatearchives.com, stargatearchives at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and Tumblr. Look for at the Gatecast on Twitter. Uh, you'll find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, as well as Google Play, Google Music. Ratings and reviews are always welcome. Our biggest social media portal is Twitter. You will always find us on there. Have fun. Enjoy watching Stargate. Enjoy watching anything Richard Dean Anderson does. Or Dane Stars, Michael Shanks, Man of Tapping, Christopher George, Ben Browder, Claudia Black. Who am I missing? Oh, Robert Carlyle. Oh, I'm actually watching Once Upon a Time again. Robert Carlyle is <laughs> awesome in that. Okay then. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.